Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Cynthia Rothrock, and you're listening to Zach and Dustin at $2 Late Fee. Before there was IMDb.com, there was Zach and Dustin. You know those guys who think they know everything about a movie without having to go on the internet to look it up? That's us, but... Maybe only for the years 1981 through mid-1989. No, I'd say late 1978 through early 1992. (laughs) Either way, we know movies. And even more specifically, we know soundtracks from those movies. Yeah. This is $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. This is the podcast where we pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it still holds up today. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Thanks for listening. On to the show. Hi, friends. We got an amazing one for you today. The synthwave sensation known as Voyager 3 is on the show today. Zach sat down with the fellas to talk about all things New York Ninja. And if you don't know about New York Ninja, let me set the stage for you. 1984, John Liu's American martial arts debut. Only some things happen, and everything is lost except the print. Vinegar Syndrome steps in and says, hey, we can make something magical out of this. Oh yeah, we don't have a script. We don't have any sound reels. All we have are some sweet, sweet visuals, which include a ninja on roller skates, by the way. But we're going to make this amazing. So they went ahead and they recreated all the sound. They assembled what seemed to be the best story, given the pieces that they were given. And they called up Voyager 3 and they said, we need an epic soundtrack for this bad boy. And oh, my friends, did Voyager 3 deliver. So you can get the soundtrack. It is out now. And you can also get New York Ninja itself, which is out now. And we highly recommend you do. Also, be on the lookout in the next few weeks for some very special giveaways, which may or may not include the aforementioned New York Ninja. Hint, hint. Hint, 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 hint. It's not really a hint, guys. I just told you. We're giving away the movie. So stay tuned to all of our social medias, especially our Instagram. And also, as a bonus incentive to join our Patreon, you have a very exclusive segment that Zach does with the fellas today called What Does Voyager 3 Know? 
Normally, the segment is called What Does Dustin Know? Dustin being me. And I don't normally know that much. So everyone laughs at me. But in this one, you join our Patreon, starting with our $8 tier, and you can hear the band, that is Aaron, Steve, and Greg, get thrown into Zach's trivia gauntlet. The pop culture phenomenon gauntlet. Will there be wrestling questions? You'll have to join to find out. So as always, thank you for being here with us. Please enjoy Zach's interview with Voyager 3. Abductions of young women are still being reported. Another woman with mysterious radiation burns has been discovered. We're gonna have a baby. Oh my God. I can't believe that John's wife was murdered. You have to try and pull yourself together. This city owes me. Well, what's that? Justice. Why won't anyone do anything? We are strong on crime. And together, we have the power. This is a big city. We're doing what we can. Oh, what? Shit. What? What? Tell the others, I'm coming for this. I need you to help me. I would, but I want them dead. Crime has remained at an all-time low thanks to Ninja Fever. We're going live with this. These men murdered her because of what she saw. <laughs> it's linked to these abductions. There's something weighing us down. It's that damn ninja. <laughs> New York ninja's a real hero. It's $2 late fee. It's me. It's Zach. I'm rolling solo on this one. Uh, Dustin sends his love to everybody listening, but man, oh man, do we have a treat tonight. Uh, I am going to be talking about the Vinegar Syndrome release of 1984's New York Ninja with none other than the band that scored the movie Voyager 3. So joining me is Steve Green. Aaron Green and Greg Mastin. What's up, guys? How are you? We're good. Fantastic. We're good. Great to have you guys on our show. Steve, are you the creator of Voyager 3? Maybe just for the first uh, uh, six days of thinking about doing it. But the, and so these guys were right on board with my idea because we've all played in bands since, uh, oh man, high school and, or even earlier than that, um, especially Aaron and I. In bands together. Steve and I started our band together when we were kids, and we met Greg not very long after that. So we've been playing, the three of us have been playing with each other, um, you know, off and on, mostly on for, uh, boy, for a long, long time. So, um, but then Steve and I, like every band we've ever been in, it's been together. And um, yeah, Steve had the idea to start a, a band based around the synth, and he wasn't sure if, if we would be, into that idea we'd want to do it because we'd never done anything even close like that <clears throat> we'd been in metal bands and rock bands together and when steve called us we were like yeah let's do it sure i mean i think he had some some doubt whether we'd be into trying something so different experimental but we were like well let's give it a shot and see if we're any good at it right on 
Right on. Yeah, that that's definitely true. I didn't think that these guys would want to do something so freakish like that compared to what we've done before, you know, vocals well, and verse, chorus, verse, and that kind of thing. Uh, Aaron, are you, are you and Steve related? Yeah, we're cousins. Okay. And a lot of people think we're brothers and we don't correct them because <laughs> we've been playing for so long. Uh, when anybody, if I see anybody from, that I know from the old days of, of playing all the million shows or just anybody who knows, anybody I know knows Steve and me. And they say, I, I ran into your brother. I know who they're talking about. And I never go, oh, he's my cousin, actually. I, I don't bother. So um, there might be some people who might say, oh, shit, I thought they were brothers for three decades. But we are uh, basically And Greg's our brother, too. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, Greg, Greg, you are like the adopted brother of the band, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You know, it's funny because you mentioned you were from Royal Oak. So I have a good story. I'd actually met these guys in Royal Oak. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, so I was playing in a different a bit a different band at the time and uh we were like really progressive strange weird sounding like mixed with metal a little bit of punk rock in there I, it was a whole bunch of stuff but anyways ran into these guys at a royal oak uh music store called help me out here guys repeat the beat yep okay so repeat the beat it was right on the corner of washington and sixth i don't know one of those but anyways um, I was flying for my band and they were flying for their band. And we just happened to realize that we knew each other or knew of each other's bands. And, uh, you know, at the time I was really into this band, Godflesh. Nice. And as it, and as, and as it worked out, <laughs> Steve and Aaron were, you know, essentially two guys in a drum machine, which is very Godflesh, right? So <laughs> the initial thought was, okay, well, I'd be interested in maybe trying to play live drums in a Godflesh type band. So that's sort of where it started. And uh, eventually we ditched the drum machine and it just became live drums. And then from there, it's pretty much been live drums, except now now we're sort of back to using electronic elements on the drums. But Well, Greg, are you are you the uh, are you like the overall percussionist of the band? Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I mean, Steve, to be honest, Steve's kind of like a drummer, too. So a lot of times he has an idea for a pattern or uh you know a feel that he's going for and that's always helpful right on because he's you know he's kind of coming up with the synth arpeggios or whatever it is he does and then he has an idea for how the percussion should go or how he envisions it sounding so somewhere in the middle nice nice come up with i have i've been in bands for since i was like 20 something years old and 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 various incarnations and it's funny you were saying like you know, different elements of or different genres of music kind of blending together. I remember being in one band and like, well, we want to do Rush, but we also kind of want it to be like more poppy sounding and like poppy Rush. I don't know if that's going to work, but we'll, we'll right. make it work. But <laughs> no, but um, the but the three of you are uber talented. I, I've I've listened to a lot of your music uh, prior to this and saw like heard your track that you had on Rise of the Synths, the uh, the documentary. In fact, I have the VHS tape somewhere in here. Um, nice. Yeah. So w- was that your first kind of foray into uh, getting exposure as a synth band, uh, being on Rise of the Synths? From the beginning, we've done pretty pretty well as far as getting our stuff out there. Like um, our first uh, album, Doom Fortress, I think that was in 13. We were selling it overseas. And stuff. So we were getting, you know, the internet can make things easier um, if you can sort of back up 
back up what you're putting out with with actual like i guess talent or or good quality songwriting you know if you're if you're like kind of a crappy band then the internet's not going to help you very much nope. right <laughs> um but yeah rise of the sin since did uh definitely catapult also we were on a we were in a book blood on wax oh nice yeah familiarize me with blood on wax what is blood on wax there's this really cool author who uh really kind of lives in the uh the 80s bubble especially yeah. with this book he he's hit other uh things since then but this book kind of catalogs a whole bunch of classic soundtracks to all those films that you <clears throat> love or hate whichever you know, type of thing. <laughs> no we um, mostly love <laughs> no totally blood totally. on wax but, looks great that the cover art is uh it's like a de- like a zombie looking dude eating a record and uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's ghoulish Gary's art, right? I'm pretty sure it is. That's dope. Yeah. Yeah. So that book featured um, some one of our album covers. Was it Doom Fortress in that? I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Doom yeah. Fortress, the, that album cover, if, if people are unfamiliar and definitely go to Voyager's website, um, that album art reminds me of like, um, what is that? Uh, is it Argento? I think it's an Argento film. Um, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, those elements of like Italian horror for sure. Um, was that an inspiration for you guys? Oh, oh always, always is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All Italian kind of giallos. Yeah. I watched and we'll talk about New York Ninja in a minute, but I watched your guys, uh, segment for the vinegar syndrome Blu-ray, which is fantastic. And, you know, you talked about some of the elements that inspired you for the soundtrack of New York Ninja, but in general, um, maybe we'll go down the line was, was Italian giallo that, that style of music, that synth that they had, was that what stood out to you and going like, we kind of want to do something like this direction wise, Greg, how about you? Uh, yeah. I, in fact, I just watched Tenebrae the other day. We were talking about that one. Um, Great flick. I revisited, I re- revisited that one. And yeah, I mean, when Steve, when Steve came up with it, you know, he sort of was starting to tell me what he wanted to do and, you know, so I just I just dove back into all of it. I mean, it, it, it's all stuff that I saw when I was younger, but kind of lost track of as I got wrapped up in metal and everything else. You know, not that not that you lose sight of movies when you do that, but I just had to kind of circle back to that. Yeah, that sound. And like, you know, everybody talks about John Carpenter, but like, you know, I think for us as a three piece and and playing like guitar and live drums and and incorporating analog synths you know, Goblin is probably the more universal influence, I think, yeah, for the three of us sure. than, than like a, a strict John Carpenter or, you know, not that we don't love everything he's done, but, you know, <laughs> I think for us, like Goblin was like, well, here's a 70s prog band that essentially just created these sounds for these movies. And, you know, maybe that's what we should try to do, you know, our version of that. I would say you're well on your way, uh, especially with the <laughs> New York Ninja soundtrack. But uh, But that is definitely a, a, a great influence to have steve how about you like what 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 was was it uh would you say italian horror sound or carpenter or other synth artists i would say the italian stuff is very influential i can remember <clears throat> i can remember all through my life seeing all of those different types of films you know the ones that are more mystery the ones that are more slasher uh then the, the supernatural ones um, phenomena oh yeah it's so great right right yeah, or, a good one. or uh shock is another good example of a really oh, yeah. great supernatural one 
Um, mm-hmm. Just so that they touched on everything. Basically, they even had like an aliens ripoff called Contamination. Yeah. Um, I just love all that stuff, and not even just like the film itself per se, or the music itself, because that's obvious, and that goes without saying. But like, I love the atmosphere and the film grain, and just the the way the art looked, and just every little nook and cranny of where humanity's mindset was at that time. I love everything about that. It's just great. I, I was, um, you know, old enough to remember uh, a lot of that. So it just takes you back to a good spot. And I, I really love it for sure. No doubt. No doubt. And you guys are doing that now with your sound. So tip of the hat for sure. Aaron, would you, uh, you seem like the youngest in the group and I'm just, I'm just basing that on looks. You look like a young sprightly <laughs> lad. Uh, maybe Greg is the youngest. I'm not sure, but Aaron, are you, uh, that's better. That's better. That's a better choice. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't want to offend anybody. Um, <laughs> Italian horror too. Is that your, is that your jam? I love that stuff. I kind of came to it a little later though. I remember, um, back in the old days, we had a guy in the band named John, as soon as he got in the band, he started playing some of that stuff for us, like Zombie, you know, Fulci, and um, and uh, definitely Suspiria. And I hadn't seen that stuff as a kid. I'd seen other horror movies, but not so much of the Italian stuff. Okay. I love American Werewolf in London and Chainsaw uh, Massacre, The Shining. Like, I'd seen a lot of horror movies as a kid, but I missed that whole Italian genre. So anyway, when John joined the band, um, our old band, Forge, um, I got into that stuff and that's kind of when it, when it reawoken for Steve and Greg, who had already seen that stuff as kids, but uh, it was kind of new to me. Also, I've always been really into science fiction too. So when I, if you'd asked me like at growing up, if I think of soundtrack, I think of John Williams. Oh yeah. Uh, um, is it Silvestri who did uh, aliens? Mm, I, no, that's James Horner. Sylvester James, did like predator. Sylvester did yeah. predator. Yeah. So Man, you um, guys better mention Jerry Goldsmith and Jerry don't Goldsmith. Even, oh uh, yeah. Don't even make Plans me of the apes. It just, Plans the list goes on and on and on for Jerry Goldsmith. <laughs> oh yeah. That segued us into zombie. Um, the, the two man band from uh, Pittsburgh. And um, yeah, great, great band. And so they, for me, they were like, probably for all three of us, they were like the, the next level, not a level, but the sort of evolution of, of goblin you know the goblin begets zombie For and sure. in my mind, zombie begets voyager three um and uh so when i think of like influences for the band those are the big two right on but then also when i had to figure out where my guitar was going to fit in with it because um it's very based on the synth and i had to understand how does guitar fit in with that we're not making we're not just taking songs that don't have lyrics you know with like a like steve said a verse chorus verse chorus stuff mm-hmm. It's not like we're just taking a song and pulling the lyrics out. We're like creating something completely different, try, trying to create a mood and, and an atmosphere and energy. So where does the guitar fit in for that? And a huge influence for me for that was definitely Roger Waters. I mean, David Gilmore. Sorry, David Gilmore. And, You're right uh, the first time. And uh, Brian <laughs> May from Queen. Uh, oh, yeah. Those, those two were very big for me to understand um, the atmosphere that can be created and then to pick your moments to bring in like more powerful stuff. Um, the guitar isn't spotlighted all the way through the song by any means. But yeah. when the spotlight hits you, you have to be able to play something interesting uh, if you can, if you can come up with something interesting and and, um, and distinctive. Yeah, uh, make it stand out, yeah. Yeah, but then then you have to pull back and, and let those synths shine. And then, it's, so th- there's always that interaction 
almost call and response um, and, and just exchanges between the drums, the guitar and the synth and uh, everything has to kind of know where, where its place is in, yeah. in whatever part of the song. So yeah, those are, those are some big ins. Fun fact. I saw queen uh, in Michigan first concert ever when I was, uh, I had to be six or seven years old back in the day. And uh, they were playing on the, it was like the, it's a kind of magic tour. I think it must've been like 86 maybe. Um, yeah. And Brian May, just, just amazing. And, and did you guys know he, he scored a few movies as well, uh, including Cloak and Dagger, which is a great eighties flick. Yeah. And, and of course, Flash Gordon. Of Flash. course. Flash right. Gordon, yes. Right. For um, sure. Because you guys are fans of Italian horror, I must say too, if you've never seen the editor, you should go check that out. It's a recent movie. Uh, by the guys Astron Six, they they do like Psycho Gorman and about a, like a yeah. Is that on Shutter? It, it should be on Shutter by now. Yeah, definitely yeah, check I'm that out. Watch, it's an I'm, homage. I'm gonna watch it. I'll watch it tonight. Yeah, great. <laughs> I need a movie to watch. Right. Yeah. Um. So so where did the name Voyager Three come from? Yeah, if I remember, didn't we we were sending back like emails and texts for like two or three weeks? <laughs> How about this? Yeah. How about that? And uh, yeah, picking it. By the way, picking a name is the worst. It is, oh, especially yeah, nowadays. Experience of all time. Yeah. Create a lot of tension, I'm sure. With the internet, you can find every single name they could ever come up with. And they yeah, be- I mean, every every name has been taken, and there's some band camp page associated with it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. It could be a band from Albuquerque who's never played a show and never will, hmm. but they, they grabbed some name, and now you can't really use it. Or maybe you can and just, hey, you guys want to fight us for it. Well, yeah, well, we're hedging our bets on NASA, right? We we took Voyager three and incorporated the three into the logo, so we're hoping that NASA is going to want that at some point. Yeah, there you go. Get, the, get that <laughs> money. Get that. We're gonna. Yeah, we're gonna cash in, and that'll be the end of this band. Get that we're all gonna live on an island. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I, I can imagine that. Uh, you know, take, taking there's probably another Voyager out there, but then putting that three in there was it just to be unique? Yeah, that's it exactly. Yeah, I mean the three. The three is incorporated a lot too, though. I mean, there's For three sure, of us. Three piece. And, you know, yeah. this is like. I think if you think about it, it's our third like band together. Okay. I think we yeah. we came up with a bunch of reasons why three was important. Uh, I don't think we wrote them down though. Yeah, for me in particular, I don't know if I ever told you guys this or not. I, I probably did, but uh, for me, the three came in because I think uh, I don't remember if I thought of the three or not. It doesn't matter. But for me, the three was uh, it was cool that it was fictitious to me because there was there we know there's voyager one and two they're out there they're communicating etc etc but in my head it was like what if there was a voyager three and they didn't tell us or whatever it doesn't have to be a conspiracy thing but what if there was a a third voyager probe well maybe maybe it would sound like us i don't know capricorn (laughs) one released a voyager three into space and uh no i'm joking (laughs) plus didn't they send like a gold record on voyager so yeah if you if you follow us close enough, you'll know that when we released our first record, Doom Fortress, there's a very limited run of gold records, and oh, that's nice. not a coincidence. Right, right. I just want to say, not to brag, I already I ordered two of the cassette soundtrack versions of the uh, New York Ninja from you guys. So uh, just oh, so fantastic. people people listening just to this, in case like, one gets eaten. <laughs> in case exactly, hey, my son. And you got to have one of these for a cassette. Don't forget. No doubt, you always got to have a pencil to wind the tapes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, I love that. I love the. Uh, it totally makes sense now with with the three and linking it with you guys. And thank you for clearing that up. 
I want to tease a little bit and then I want to dig deeper. Uh, New York Ninja's Blu-ray from Vinegar Syndrome is packed with, to the gills, with everything. And you guys have a 10-minute documentary on there. And it kind of talks about how you got involved with New York Ninja and, and like where you recorded it and the influences. So I want to touch a little bit upon that, but not dig too deep in that area because people, I want people to go out and buy the Blu-ray. There you go. Right, right? Right. Um, and then buy the soundtrack as well. Uh, but, but you guys got brought on this project and for those people that are not familiar with the movie, New York Ninja, um, Steve, how would you describe, how would you like, how would you describe New York Ninja in a nutshell? I would say that it's a, it was a film that was trying to be right in there with Revenge of the Ninja, Ninja Three: the Domination, Nine Deaths of the Ninja, all that stuff that was out within that like five year span of that. I think John Liu was trying to be right in with that and have a legacy of that same caliber and be in the, in the, in the same bubble as when people say Shokasugi or Bruce Lee or whatever. I think he wanted to kind of be in that. And uh, that was his, uh, I think, big attempt to try to do an American film because most of his films were done overseas um, prior to that, all through the, um, I think, even as late or even as far back as the late 60s, but definitely all through the 70s. All of his films were overseas, so he was trying to break into the American uh, movie audience. And, and he did have three films before that, uh, as well that he writ, wrote and directed. Um, one is super interesting that I think I'm going to buy the DVD of it tomorrow. But uh, it's called uh, "In the Ninja in the Claw of the CIA," and uh, oh, yeah. they, they touch upon this film in the documentary of do. of the uh, of the New York Ninja, and it just sounds also crazy and cool. I just, I mean, this isn't a fluke to me. As far as like some people would say, New York Ninja is zany and over the top. I think that this other film also is. So that was just John Liu's style than how I think of it. So he just kind of liked to do over the top stuff uh, from what I gather. But yeah, in answer to your question, I think that was John Liu's attempt to, to kind of anchor himself in the American market with a popular ninja film. Yeah, yeah. I think it would have been forgotten uh had it been released in 84, probably. I mean, it would have probably gotten discovered, rediscovered, like most of these movies get rediscovered now and put out in a Blu-ray edition or whatever. But the fact yeah. that Vinegar Syndrome had these, these, uh, these, these, these reels with no sound and basically pieced together this movie bit by bit uh, is a miracle and in a short miracle, <laughs> not a short miracle, a big miracle. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's a perfect way to put it. I mean, John Liu has a, He's a very, I wasn't that familiar with him when I, until when I saw this and saw the documentary. There's a great documentary on the Blu-ray, which everybody should check out. Um, oh yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. And, and we Greg, wa we watched it in the theater. Yeah. I <laughs> mean, we great. were there, my, my co-host and I were with right there with you guys and my buddy Diallo uh, living it up and just seeing it at Beyond Fest. It was wild. You guys yeah, actually yeah. were able to fly out from Michigan out to LA for the premiere of New York. Ninja yeah, it was great. Fest. Um, Greg, how was that experience for you coming out and being a part of this movie and like the whole thing? It was great. Uh, I mean, if you would have told me when we started this band that we'd be actually scoring a film, you know, this many years later, I wouldn't have believed you, you know, because I don't know, there's just a ton of bands, right? There's a ton going on. There's yeah. 
all kinds of movies and all kinds of guys that do movie scores. Um, but yeah, I mean, when Steve, you know, Steve sort of brought this up, I, I had to have him explain it to me like three times. I'm like, what is this now? Like they, so this was filmed in the eighties, right? He's like, yeah, but there's no sound. And I'm like, okay, so what are they doing for sound? You know, like he had to go over it with me a, like a hundred times so I could be clear on it. But uh, once we sort of got a, got rolling, it, it's just amazing what they did and what they were able to do. And, um, you know, the hardest part for us was like sitting on it. <laughs> like for two years, we couldn't tell anybody what we were working on. I mean, I, I think we teased pictures that we were recording something, but never really said much about what it was, uh. or, you know, whatever. So um, that was the hardest part. But then the L.A. trip was just like the culmination of that, having to wait two years to get to a point where you can talk about it. Finally, it was just such a release to be able to fly out there, not only to, you know, being in L.A. at a what what we consider a big movie premiere for us you it was. Know, we've never done one before <laughs> yeah. so it's a, it's the biggest we've ever done so anyways it was it was just surreal you know it was a long two or three days but we crammed as much in as we could and the, and the highlight of that was the film and just sitting in the theater and watching people actually watch it with us you know i think i think aaron and i nudged each other a couple times when we when we knew like a big music moment was coming up and we're you know, kind of anticipating what people might do when they, when the music kicks in, you know, so. Well, well it was this, really, really fun. I will tell you uh, unbiasedly because, because we watched the movie, not knowing you guys were in the audience. Um, but as soon as the, as the, as the opening track hits, I just look over at Dustin. And I'm like, this movie is going to be fucking amazing. Like we know right. it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to kick ass because, awesome. because that beat just hits. Aaron, you were saying, you know, you like emulate bands like like Zombie, um, and which is a killer band. But but your music, like as I'm listening to this the whole time, I went home immediately and I was like, okay, I'm looking up Voyager three. I'm looking at is there music available? Oh, it's on cassette. Oh hell yeah! Because I do this <laughs> segment on our Instagram where I every Saturday I do like a soundtrack Saturday, and all the soundtracks I have are all cassettes from my childhood. And it's all my nice. legit cassettes. And so people are like, where the hell did you get that? And I'm like, well, no, this is, some of this is new. Some of this isn't whatever. But, uh, but the minute I saw you guys were selling that cassette on the, on your, on your site, I'm like, oh, hell yeah, I'm getting this. You created a sound that I think is really, uh, it's a throwback sound, but it's also so modern because th th this synth sound is so popular right now uh, in a good way. And I'm sure there's haters across the board. There always is. There's always going to be naysayers. But for myself personally, I love this genre. It, it, it's nostalgic, yet modern at the same time. Uh, Aaron, your, your feelings of like your thoughts about being a part of this project. As, as soon as Steve told us about it, I remember we were driving out to Chicago to go play with Cybertronic 3. And um, Steve said, we got this email from Vinegar City. About this movie and he explained the whole thing and i was like you got a 80s ninja movie like we could write this in a half hour we could write it in minutes like this is our bread and butter like because it's one thing to do a retro style movie or something but to actually be from 1984 it was like as far as i know we're the first band they thought of right so 
it, it just, we're just going to say you are, we're just going to say you are the that's first. That's right. <laughs> yeah. We were definitely the first. We're the vinegar, first vinegar syndrome oh. could have picked anybody, but they chose you guys. Right. And so it was like, well, if you give us the ball, we're going to run with it. Believe. Me. And I felt like our job was to just destroy the, the project. You know what I mean? In the best way. Like, yes, totally crush it. And everything was all nebulous, you know, for a while there was a, uh, we didn't know how how fast they were going to be moving on it. Um, we didn't know when they wanted us to do anything. It was all kind of in the air. We didn't even know 100% if it was all going to really happen. Mm-hmm. So in the early months of 2020, um, we were it was just kind of vague. And then Steve started sending stuff to us, um, you know, his ideas and, and his, his um, since he was laying down and some you know, temporary drum tracks and stuff, but it still wasn't real, right? Because it was some, it was some music and it's like, well, we're going to, we're going to work on this music either way. This will become our next album, you know, way or another. Yeah. Um, But then when, when Steve sent us, when they sent us the, uh, the movie, it was edited together with no sound. Steve sent it to us and I'm watching it and I'm going, Oh boy. Um, Is this, what is this? What are they trying to do here? You know, like, this is some silly shit. And yeah, it and really is. No way. If it was intentional or not. And that's really, if you, if you watch all the interviews, that's everybody's reaction to it. That was yeah, totally. Don the Dragon Wilson. That's everybody's reaction is like, what were they going for here? <laughs> so when, when I saw that and I watched the whole movie and I said, okay, let me take a breath here. And, and I, and I said to myself, our job, is to play this as straight as if it were Planet of the Apes, as yep. straight as if it were Suspiria, whatever. We're going to just, we're going to blow this whole thing up and make it, anchor it in, in seriousness and play against all of, all of the goofiness going on on screen. Because even if that stuff, whether it was intentional or not, doesn't matter. We're going to act like this guy, this white ninja whose uniform keeps falling apart and he's wearing <laughs> and, and he's like you know there's all these weird things in the in the scenes where everybody's standing around waiting for their turn to attack him and yeah. but no no we're gonna make him the baddest ninja since joe City. we're gonna we're gonna emphasize everything he does and our job is to make this totally straight even even almost to the point of like too straight like ignoring the funny stuff on screen i think there's like one part in the in the movie where we play a little silly theme it's uh at the end yeah of when the- he walks up to the van after beating everybody up yeah yeah did i miss anything and um but everything else and even that was like this is going to be our only moment left in the whole movie everything else is totally serious and that that's what i felt our job was and i don't know to be honest sometimes i get this band ego i don't have an, an ego as a musician individually but when i think of our band i just feel like we're like nobody can fuck with us hell yeah it's a great <laughs> attitude it's a great attitude i think that 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 like this soundtrack in the hands of most bands wouldn't have been um they wouldn't have delivered um this kind of the kind of gravity that we that we threw in there so well i, I was i was gonna not to cut you off but i was gonna say that that's what makes the movie work. Um, you know, I, I don't want to give too much away because I want everyone to go out and get this movie. Uh, but but 
you know, it's very, like, like Steve, you said, it's very common, simple tale, like a revenge saga movie about a guy who wants to get revenge for the, for the death of his fiance, for his, well, I'm not going to reveal what's going on with her body, but uh, for his girl, his wife. And, uh, and so, and, and at one point he's on, he's on roller skates, battling dudes, and he's on a, he's on a dolly uh, being pulled around by a car. Uh, (laughs) It's some wacky shit, but, but I think what you guys could have gone full parody and had some wacky soundtrack, but you didn't, you rooted it in reality, you rooted it, which I think makes it even better because it's so it, it, it kicks ass. These scenes come up and you're like, Oh my God. Yeah. His costume looks like a little kid at Halloween who his parents made him a costume. It's about to fall off and he's just trying to keep it together while he's doing his, his kicks. But the music never, never misses a beat. It never flinches. It never goes, oh, let's go Benny Hill, you know, <laughs> here because right, right. it, it's it a great shouldn't. Theme, though. Yeah, could you say it? I mean, on. hell yeah, <laughs> that, that, that theme is fantastic, but that's a whole other story. Um, but that's what I love about it. And you guys brought, uh, I, I think I was so excited when, when you agreed to come on the show because I thought, man, first of all, I love synth wave. I love all genres of music, but, but the 80s in particular, parts of the 80s are really coming back into the fold and maybe it's because i'm in my 40s now and i'm super nostalgic for all this stuff um but the soundtrack is so powerful and your guys story is so great and the fact that you guys have known each other for so long also the fact that you're also from michigan like i am (laughs) adds a little bit more to it too i think that's badass but uh what you created on screen in a time when you know, when COVID first hit and everybody's in that meme would pop up. Now, this is the time when you when you write that book or you make that movie or you, you know, yeah. blah, 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 yeah. blah. And, and some people are like, and myself included, going, well, we're just trying to survive. So don't stack the deck against it's too high. However, you guys did that thing that people said you should do. You know, Vinegar Syndrome went out and created this movie, crafted it uh and and like you said the actors like cynthia rothrock who this her interview will follow up your uh your episode in two weeks and don the dragon wilson uh leon isaac kennedy michael berryman doing the voices of all the actors in the movie no sound whatsoever so everything had to be put back in i am so not familiar when it comes to that aspect of filmmaking it just blew me away and for your soundtrack to kind of cap it off I think it's fantastic. So again, hats off to you guys. And yeah, it, it seemed to, it seemed to gain momentum too, as it went on, because Steve would like, you know, Steve's got this habit of like trying to like um, tease Aaron and I, like he's, get, he, he, sometimes he sits on information. He doesn't want to tell us because he wants to like really get that dramatic effect. And <laughs> Steve's going to de- deny that he does this, but Aaron I think and that's I will perceived. To... No, 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 you do it. He, so like, it started to build momentum like in our heads too, because like you said, this was happening during COVID. So like, if you look at like the CD booklet, you're going to see pictures of us down in the, in battle chamber and we've all got masks on and we really don't know what's going on with the pandemic. Right. You know, Aaron works, Aaron works in the health industry. So we're, we're talking about whether or not it's safe for us to even be together, you know, like he, he's the one that's bringing it up, you know, like, Hey, this is my job. And I don't want you guys to get sick, you know, so we're masking up, we're trying, you know, we're, we're trying to, to make this thing in a time that's in totally insane to try to do something creative, yeah. you know, so it is really telling. Like, yeah, 
but it, like I was saying, it, it did start to gain momentum and I, I, I kept getting more and more excited about it. And I probably drove Steve nuts because I was like always digging for like that extra nugget of information <laughs> that he forgot to tell me. And, uh, you know, but then he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, they're getting Michael Berryman and they're getting Cynthia Rothrock and they're getting Linnea Quigley. And I'm just like, yeah, what? I'm like, and, uh, Ginger I'm Lynn, like, right? Ginger Lynn. Ginger Lynn. Yeah. And it, like, and I don't know who she kept... is, <clears throat> sort of. No, none of us do. I, I had to look her up. I'm sure you did. There's, you know, a lot of clips online. Yeah, I, look, I, I did my own research on that one. <laughs> so anyways, again, like all of this stuff is building up and we know that we're together working on this, this thing that we think is going to be incredible. And it really is death wish with a ninja, right? That's the yeah, way I describe it to it people. Is. I'm like, it's death wish with a ninja. And uh, death wish so it's all building up and it's like, we can't talk to anybody about it. You know, I can oh. talk to my wife about it because she's like not going to tell anybody, but you know, it was just, we, it was so hard to keep it quiet, you know, cause we're all very excited about it, especially as more names that got attached to it. You know? And especially at a, during a time when we want glimmers of positivity, you know, when something right. positive happens, we all want to know about it because <laughs> we need more than, yeah. of that yeah, now exactly. than ever, I think. So that must've mm. been really hard. Yeah. It's paid off in the end. There was one other aspect that went through my head because um, I would kind of like uh, put like the skeleton um, structure together for, for a lot of the tracks kind of like right around now at night, you know, after everything calms down and I can <clears throat> kind of concentrate on stuff and everything. And I thought to myself one night, th this was when Michigan was in complete lockdown and you could only leave to let go of the grocery store or get gas or if you were in a... Um, you know, critical work sector. Other than that, you should be home. Like I remember one time I was coming back from the grocery store and uh, I was on uh, like 696, if you know the freeway. Yeah. It was empty and it's never empty. So I'm just trying to paint a little bit of a picture of this. Like it's never, I've never seen anything like this in my life. So later that night, uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of constructing a track and I'm thinking to myself, you know what? We're basically time traveling. I, I'm, I know it sounds silly, but it, it, it's it's kind of it's kind of true. So you only get probably one chance to time travel. Don't fuck it up. So it was kind of like a yeah. little behind the scenes motivation <laughs> going on, probably with all of us. But we're like, man, we really got to make this tight and and kind of think it through and 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 just be um, solid and focused, basically. I think you have a uh, a tagline for a T-shirt now. You only get one chance in life to time travel. Don't fuck it up. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> You put that on a, a cover of your next album or something like that. That's bad. right, right. It ties into the name of the band too, right? A bit. Yeah, totally. And then here you are. So you come out to Santa Monica for the the premiere of New York Ninja. Um, it was my first time going back to the movie since COVID had started, and I remember saying to Dustin, "I'm like, what a experience to have as your first movie back into this." So it was even doubly more emotional for you guys. I'm sure maybe even the first flight or one of the first flights you've taken since COVID started. And here you're coming out here and you're, you're, you're getting to have an LA experience, quote unquote. And yeah, the Arrow theater in Santa Monica is legendary. So it was a big deal. Donnie Darko was filmed there and I didn't even know it. Why didn't you tell me? <laughs> I just did. <clears throat> I was uh, sightseeing. <laughs> and uh, I didn't even know until I got home that they shot that scene in Donnie Darko at the Arrow. I was so bummed. Oh, man. Well, I got to tell you, uh, the next time you guys come out here, whether it be for, hopefully it'll be for a live show, 
that you guys are doing supporting this album uh would you be torn when so you are already starting to tour again right like you had a a, a small show a couple weeks back oh yeah, yeah we played uh devil's night um there's this band um a group called twisted and they're okay. uh they've been around for quite a long time they have a stack of albums and they're they're that their game is tight i mean when you listen to their stuff it is put together really really good it's catchy it's heavy it's rhythmic it's it's really cool so they invited us to open up their fright fest uh annual show that they do every year uh, for the last probably decade or more um so that was our first show back uh aaron you were saying like a year and a half since we played a show or something like that right march of uh 2020 so a year and a half yeah so what a way to return to the stage because First of all, their shows are always pretty much sold out, uh, especially that one, because it's like their annual big deal. I mean, it's Devil's um, Night in Michigan, so. Right, exactly. Yeah. It has a whole kind of vibe to it. A stigma yeah. Are we even allowed to call it that anymore? I don't know. Only yeah. when we're right. talking about this show. Yeah. We yeah. weren't oh, doing okay. anything bad or negative. We were just playing a show. Yeah. Exactly. But That's right. What a way to return. Um, a, a packed sold out show pretty much uh, at the best venue in the country, in my opinion, St. Andrews Hall. And Believe it or not, they have a new PA, so it's, it sounds even better than it used oh, to. Oh, great! Which is hard to imagine because that place is always stellar, in my opinion. Wow, nice! And are are you guys planning to tour, continue to tour uh, later this year or into twenty twenty two? I don't think anything else this year. Um, I don't think, but next year we're going to try to put together as much stuff as we possibly can, as well as uh, some like convention stuff. Yeah. To whether that's playing as well i don't know for sure but definitely shows and convention stuff because that's really fun to like meet fans of the films and some of those fans like the music and pay attention to the music of films too so you know it makes sense that we're there for some of these things um and and we've done a handful in years past and they've always been really um well received and successful we meet a lot of cool people and talk about like what we're doing right now basically just talking about cool films and and genre, all the different genres of films and, and what we like and new stuff that you never heard of. Now, now you have a list to go home and check out stuff. It's great. Yeah, we uh, on our show, we typically cover a movie and then one specific song from the movie soundtrack. And occasionally we will run into movies that the soundtrack doesn't exist for, like Real Genius, for example, doesn't have a soundtrack. Mm. And um, or, or, you know, occasionally we'll cover a score like we covered uh, the score for Red Dawn. And, uh, and and talked about film scores that really stand out to us during the 80s. But there's so many action martial art movies that don't have soundtracks that exist, right? I think Bloodsport is getting a reissue, um, but it did not exist when we were kids. When Bloodsport came out, you couldn't go. We had Rainbow Records. That was my local record store in the Bay Area that, that I go to. They did, there was no Bloodsport soundtrack there. There was no Braddock Missing in Action Part 3 soundtrack, which I wanted so bad. Uh, yeah. Delta Force, which I now have, uh, took me forever to find. So here you I've are. I got an OG with, copy of Delta Force. Yeah, I got, I got, a, I got it on cassette. So nice. <laughs> stay tuned. Yeah, um, I suppose on, there's, I like a, the, oh, there's no. a certain threshold of film and budget back then, or, or even now, I guess. Well, now it's easier because everything's digital, so you don't have to commit you know, to 2,500 or 5,000 or 10,000 records or whatever they did back then. But back then, if it was below a certain level, whatever that level was, um, 
it, it, it didn't get a soundtrack. Or it didn't get a soundtrack release, I should say. Like, obviously, there's a score that exists because it was put on the film, but that that's the only place it is. So you'd have to, like, you know, to do an audio rip of the movie and, and also have your dialogue and Foley in there if, if you want. <laughs> Which I did as a kid. I don't know if yeah. you did, Steve. Uh, Sometimes. <laughs> really quick, you in, in the documentary, you talk about uh, some of the movies, ninja movies that you guys were into back in the day. But like I said, in a couple of weeks, we have an interview coming up with Cynthia Rothrock. Were you guys fans of her work back in the day? Are you familiar with her stuff? Or was that something that kind of went under the radar for you? I always knew her. Um, I'd seen, I'd seen, you know, a couple of her movies, but I didn't follow her like, like, you know, like I followed, say, uh, um, well, Sho Kasugi. Um, yeah but definitely newer and uh and especially at, at the time well there were a lot of women asian women who were standing out in those movies that was totally, totally. normal and and it was uh you know whenever uh whenever i hear well but what i was going to say is that she was like the first american woman that i remember who was doing those those kind of movies and those kind of moves so that was a big deal um back then and I remember, uh, you know, every, it seems like every couple of years, some sort of, I don't know, sheltered person who calls himself a journalist will go, yay, it's great to see women kicking butt with the men. And I'm like, yeah. where have you been? Like the yeah. women have been kicking ass for decades. Like that's not <laughs> no new. <doubt>. We should <laughs> honor it, but it's not new. And let's not pretend that um, just because Angelina Jolie did it in a, in a movie that now it's like a new cool thing. Like the, yeah that's been part of you know martial arts cinema and action cinema i mean have they ever heard of sigourney weaver so right but yeah i remember uh when cynthia rothrock came onto the scene it was it was um she definitely stood out because at that point i don't know if there were any american women doing that i don't think there was no not not that i not to my knowledge either um i know that she you know obviously did a lot of hong kong movies first and then came over here and started doing uh, straight to video type stuff and um, but no one stood out like she did in my opinion you had Linda Hamilton who was kind of starting to make a break as an action hero so to speak you know uh, and like you said Sigourney Weaver but nothing like martial art master like Cynthia Rothrock yeah because I mean she really is really excellent at yeah. that stuff for sure I mean I th I'm pretty sure I, I heard Don uh, the dragon say that she has a black belt and she trained with some of his trainers or something along those lines. So she's like the real deal. It's not just, um, you know, fancy Hollywood trickery. She's, she's the real deal. So right. that's, that, that comes across in the films. Like um, it's so realistic and, and just excellent. Did you guys stay for yes, madam? No, we did not. No, but I, I own it. So I'm going to, I'm going to say that's my favorite because that was my first exposure to her really. <laughs> you stole so my answer. <laughs> well, I will tell you, I will tell you quick, cheap plug for that upcoming episode. She tells a story about making yes, madam, that for me blew my mind, uh, an accident on set. And it was just like, we, whoa, what really? No, oh, I can't wait to hear about I that. I can't that's believe they didn't cool. have more accidents on that set. Some of those yeah. people look like they seriously got maimed. Yeah. I love the fighting in that film. It's so <laughs> So good. I was on the There's edge of my no way seat. That one guy that, that fell down on that thing didn't break his back, right? That I mean, multi-level terrace or whatever, right? <laughs> oh yeah, you know, you look at the outtakes of uh, Jackie Chan's police force, or uh, you know, some city hunter in, in that movies back in the day that he made. 
and you see all the stuff that those guys went through. They didn't do that with every movie. I think Jackie did it in his movies. They're like, look at all the wacky shit I'm doing. You know, here's my end credits. I'm going to blow right. your mind. Right. But Aaron, you had said, uh, you know, like, yeah, Angelina Jolie is kicking ass or, or like Scarlett Johansson or something. Well, fun fact, uh, Richard Norton, who did a lot of movies with Cynthia Rothrock, the China O'Brien and the Rage and Honor, he uh, trained Cynthia uh, Scarlett Johansson for one of her movies that she did, like the behind the scenes. So you've got these legit guys like Don the Dragon Wilson is a legit kickboxing champion. The guy is a right. hero as well. Yeah. So it, it added gravitas or a little bit of, you know, impact to New York Ninja to just have their voices in the movie. And Agreed. I got to be honest with you. I thought Don the Dragon Wilson did a tremendous job as, uh, <laughs> you know, um, uh, voicing John Liu through the whole thing. Yeah, I, I can't picture that character with any other voice at this point. Like, yeah, yeah same. It, it's, uh, it's just, I just assume that's what John Liu sounds like. Tell the others, I'm coming for this. All the sound work was just masterfully done um that that was a company called three beep um i think they're out of new york but don't quote me on that part of it but they just absolutely nailed it like i'll give you a, a really good example it's in the same scene there's two little bullet points in the exact same scene it's uh i think it's the very first time you see the ninja um appear on that ledge watch his feet and and his feet move twice, but and then you hear the little scrapes on the concrete, wow. uh, the wall of that. Like most people would have probably left that out because it's not super obvious. You don't need to have that in there. If it wasn't, it wouldn't ruin anything. But they put it in there. And um, in the same scene, when he throw, if you notice, the second time he throws the stars, there's three stars in his hand. The first time he just throws one. And I remember somebody in the reviews um, said. I love how he throws one star and three people fall fall down. But the second time he throws them, he has three. If you look carefully, there's three stars. And then if you listen, you hear three quick hits. That's awesome. Or three three quick throws, like, you know, and, and it's, it's really quick, but it's all there. All that detail, they didn't miss a thing. So definitely kudos to them. And they put all the stuff together in a masterful way. Right on, right on. You actually... Um or setting up my next segue as we kind of wrap up a little bit of New York Ninja. I want to go down the line, starting with you, Greg. Uh, what's your favorite scene in New York Ninja? <laughs> uh, it's ra- it, it, any scene with rat tail. Any scene with rat tail. Okay. <laughs> any awesome. and all scenes with rat tail, i.e. Uh, <laughs> Elijah Wood with the rat tail yeah were you the one that called him elijah wood somebody called him elijah wood i'm like holy shit i I think it's obvious i mean i told steve you know so obviously we got a copy in the movie you know year uh, probably a year before yeah you know anybody else had seen it and i was like is that elijah wood because he he can't be that old right (laughs) but yeah that any scene with rat tail rat tail's my guy that's those guys i mean i'm obsessed with them i I mean i don't know why he has to bite on it but i love that he does (laughs) It's, it's 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 so odd right disturbing and kind of sexy too i guess so yeah right that's alluring yeah i don't understand it but it's not for me to understand he's above my level above my pay grade <laughs> elijah's wood um aaron how about you what's uh what's your favorite scene from new york ninja i think i would have to say um i hope i'm not stealing this from steve but the uh the final battle um starting from when they when they go into that 
the 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 aircraft hangar and plutonium killer is running with his knees up so high yeah. <laughs> i don't know who runs like that and he's just yeah, he was booking, man. yanking her along and she's like barely keeping up i'm surprised nobody fell and he doesn't care if she falls or not so no. he's he's just booking and um and then you know it goes into the sort of nonsensical stuff up on with the guy sitting on the propeller of the helicopter somehow and, <laughs> and then at him. taking it into the 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 rooftop fight that whole final battle and i remember um to, to not to bring it back to us but no, we, we put so much into the 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 music for that scene i was we were like you know this is it this is everything coming together and so we were like throwing in everybody's theme you know and and mixing the themes and having the themes sort of fighting each other and and going back and forth and just hitting all these um all these notes and all these all these moments going along with that fight and um you know even though there's some silliness with him trying to get his sunglasses off with his sword instead of reaching out and grabbing the motherfuckers off his face we don't (laughs) we were gonna ignore that we're ignoring that so but yeah, I think the music comes together there and the scene comes together. That's my that's my favorite scene. Ending ending up with the, you know, oh, why am I people haven't seen the movie. Yet. No, I mean you're you 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 caught yourself. You caught yourself. I caught myself. Yeah. I'm nice, I'm nice, big nice. on no spoilers and I almost screwed that up. We know there's a fight at the end because there's going to be a fight at the end of every action. There's got to be. And that's all I'm saying. <laughs> it's not and New that, York banker. You know, that passage of music too is probably the closest we got to like scratching that John Williams vibe. Mm. You know what I mean? That's like the most orchestra sounding, you know, we're like, we got to put in some of those like orchestral hits and like really try to sell this as like, you know, bigger than life and try to really emphasize, you know, here we are at the end after an hour and a half, you know? Hell yeah. Nice. (laughs) Steve, how about you? What's your, uh, what's your favorite scene? Or you know, it could be the scene that you created music for. Right, right. Well, it's uh, it. I find that it changes because I just kind of embrace different parts of it as it goes. But right, right now, I would say, and I also don't want to give anything away too much. But yeah, um, the villain at a certain part in the film disguises himself. Yes. As somebody else, and that whole thing right there, and that was one of the heavy um, effect shots, also. In the film, there's not many effect shots, but that was definitely the heaviest effect shot in the film. Um, I love that. I want. I don't want to give any more away, but there's a that whole little segment right there where everything kind of happens right there in the mirror. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. I was just gonna say he does some cool stuff on the synths during all that. Yeah, you definitely do, and uh, and it makes the reveal scenes in Mission Impossible look like child's play. You know, compared to this, so. Oh yeah, and you know, another thing, um, I will correct to to the universe. Um, is uh, I I saw another. It was a post or something that somebody said, yeah, he's sensitive to light, but he's out. You know, he's out in the daytime. Um, so here's the correction: his eyes are sensitive to light. That's why he has the sunglasses. So he 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 can be out in the daytime. He just has to have his glasses on. So. So, so there's that <laughs> exclusive. You heard it here first, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Steve's really thought about this. Oh no, I love it. I love it. Um, so on our show, we always kind of wrap up every episode with doing some fun facts from the year the movie came out. We're not going to do fun facts from 2021 because there's not a lot of fun. No, facts. what happened? Fun. 
Oh, it was fun. But from know. 1984, um, we've covered a lot of movies that came out in 84. 84 was great for films, uh, action, comedy, you name it. So I, I've dug deeper in this one for more ninja specific fun facts. So in July of 1984, Data East or Data East released Karate Champ for the first time. <laughs> oh, that game's great. It's great. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you guys played that one back oh, in the day. I played the hell out absolutely. of it. Absolutely. I it took all my money. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one where like there was like a guy that was like through he threw stars and then one guy had the nunchucks, right? And he had to know the pattern to beat each of them. Yeah, Karate Champ was the uh was a tournament style. And and then yeah, I'm not, maybe I'm thinking of a different one then. Which one am I thinking of? Well, Steve? you might be thinking of Kung Fu Master, which came out the same year. Now I'm gonna have to look it up. I'm thinking you're thinking Kung Fu. <laughs> I gotta correct myself. No, I, I definitely played that, and they had a, a Nintendo version as well that was pretty faithful to the arcade. It it turned out fairly well. I remember I had that one, and uh, it, it it was a good transfer. You know, some games transferred from the arcade okay. And some of them were absolutely terrible, um, yeah. like like ET. Well, ET wasn't an arcade game, but it was a terrible game nonetheless. <laughs> oh my god! So ET, I don't know. Yeah, what... IR Kung Fu. Yeah, IR that's IR Kung the, Fu. Yeah. yeah, that's a great. Yeah, one that's too. the one. That's the one. ET. I remember. Get, we all probably played ET at one point, and to, and you're all all you're doing is piecing together a phone, and you're you're, you're <laughs> across the screen the entire time. Yeah, I you're mostly falling in holes. Yeah, I remember my mom like coming in like. I don't know, midnight or one in the morning. What are you still doing up? Like, I got to finish it. I got to finish it. Like this addiction yeah. to getting the phone. Oh my God. Um, two notable characters in a particular universe were created in 1984 or, or revealed, I guess, in 1984. Uh, Larry Hama revealed Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes from G.I. Nice. Joe in 1984. The, the two, in my opinion, the two most kick-ass ninjas that the current cinema has not gotten right. That's true. Very true. Isn't, isn't there one coming out any minute, by the oh, way? It came or out it back out in now? the spring. And it oh, was not I missed very it. good. Okay. Um, um, yeah, Storm, Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes are two. You know, in a time when we were little kids, right, and, and you have, like, one guy is on the good guy's team, one guy's on the bad guy's team, and that's the way it's supposed to be. And then you find out that they know each other, like that they grew up together and that they used to be friends that that'll blow the mind of a little kid, you know, because totally. you're adding they're, they're literally wearing black and white and then you're throwing all this gray in there. Right. Yep. <clears throat> and and uh, that was amazing. I remember that being a huge big deal when I was a kid um, and that silent interlude. You probably know that story. No. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I still have it. Me, me too. Um that's one of the best stories I've ever read in any comic book. And if for it to just be one issue, that was bold, man. Larry Hama was the master. Yeah, it's it's a shame that he endorsed the Snake Eyes movie. Um, I mean, right. I, I get why he did. But yeah. I would just love to see a more faithful adaptation of what we grew up on mm -hmm. as kids, you know, right. with that with that with that storyline. Hopefully they're making a Lady J show, I guess, for Amazon. So maybe that's what we'll we'll, we'll get the most most faithful but right. i still have my snake eyes still have my storm shadow um kick ass your figures yeah, the figures yeah like the little three inch cool. right three and three they were. yep yeah yeah so my brother and i used to shoot those with bb guns 
I've got these. Oh. I don't know if you remember. I'm holding up uh, and I'll screenshot it too. Uh, Guts, Guts, Mattel put out a, a line of figures called Guts. And these oh, are, I remember that. Uh, yeah. These are little ninjas and like remember that. samurai guys. And what was the wrestling cool. one? What was the wrestling one? And they were thinking of muscle. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not in 1984, though. Those um, don't no. move, do they? Are they like molded that way? They don't yeah, have they're any... molded. Yeah, okay, they don't gotcha. move, unfortunately. My son's like, how come they don't move? I'm like, use your imagination. Uh, yeah, yeah, because it was the 80s. <laughs> in the 80s, nothing moved. No, they didn't. Right. They just had the country right. grip. Um, the, the last fun fact of 1984, in September, September 14th, 1984, Ninja 3, The Domination, was released in theater. Oh, man. So it's a good one. I'm just saying it's no New York ninja, but it's pretty damn close as far as its <laughs> epicness is concerned. You've got uh oh gosh, I'm blanking on her name right now, but the 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 chick from Breakin. Aaron knows it. Um is it Lucinda Dickey? It is Lucinda Dickey, thank you. See, I knew I knew it. You know, a love scene with V8 juice poured down oh. her. So Oh, yeah, that's Tell why me, Aaron remembers when when you're that same kid who read Silent Interlude a couple months earlier, and then you see that scene, it's hard to handle that. I'm, I'm gonna say puberty probably broke for you at that point. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Like and and I have arrived. It's such a great movie, too. You know, like it's it's oh, it's it's that's my favorite one. That's my favorite. Yeah, spoiler, uh Aaron reveals that on the documentary is his favorite. Uh, ninja movie of all time and and it, it, it i think it's actually gotten better uh mm-hmm. watching it now knowing we have this lens of like you know it was what it was let's just enjoy it for what it is you know yeah. let's not beat things down and turn it into a mystery science theater 3000 let's get with our buddies and watch it and laugh but let's also appreciate the fact that it all these people worked on this project i think that's the thing vinegar syndrome i'm glad I'm glad you mentioned that because Aaron and Steve and I have been ever since we got this project, we've been talking a lot about that. I've I feel like I have gotten a lot more uh, loose with what I accept. You know, like my brother, he won't watch anything that's cheesy. <laughs> so I told him, don't even watch New York Ninja because you ain't going to like it. No, but like I've gotten so I've got like and, it, and it's true of horror, too. So like if it's really bad horror, I'll still watch it. I don't care. Like I, I think about the people who made it. Yeah. So I've gotten into that mindset where like, this is not a bad movie because I know people thought they were making a good movie and they put a lot of effort into it, you know? So I'm, I've, I've become real diplomatic <laughs> with, with bad genre movies. So I, I like it all now. So I'm an advocate. I, if, you yeah, make I a, think... if you make a bad movie, I'm going to probably endorse it. Yeah, you gotta you gotta appreciate you know somewhere, uh, and I was that kid back in the day that would tear a new asshole to a movie if I didn't like it. But right. now watching it, and, and I think modern movies you can do that with to an extent if it's a big studio production and they're just throwing. Yeah, money it feels at it. good to pick on the big guys. Yeah, a little bit. Right, but if it's an indie <laughs> flick, like come on, these guys work. But if you can tell that it was like me, Stephen, Aaron filming at the Russell at midnight without permission, like making a music video, then you know you can look the other way on some of the shortcomings, right? <laughs> did, did that happen? It happened. Yeah, that's that's our video for Il Guanto Nero. Uh, oh, yeah, if you look that up, that it, that's a perfect example of a shoestring budget. <laughs> being a, being in a place you're not supposed to be, trying to light it when it's freezing cold and oh my gosh it was, it was a trip is that on your uh is that on your youtube do you have a youtube channel yep it is on there yeah 
Yeah, we hired we hired an actress who also kicks butt. Yeah, so yeah. Keeping with that theme. Yeah, she does a couple of kicks, uh, a couple of kicks, and I think uh, and she has a gun too, right? Because there's a crazed, you know, uh, he he was a homeless dude, but then the the uh, the antagonist of the of the uh, feature uh, has a a device because he's not human. So it kind of turns him into a raving zombie. Uh, oh. So she has to defend herself. That's just one little one little element of it. <laughs> oh, and, and, and remind us of the name of that one again. Uh, it's it's for the uh, the track off of Doom Fortress called Il Guanto Nero. Nice. It's a it's an Italian uh, nod to all of our beloved Italian giallo <laughs> movies. Having you guys on the show to talk about New York Ninja, uh, knowing we're from the same hood, essentially, uh, it's really an honor to have you guys on. Everybody needs to go out and get Vinegar Syndrome's New York Ninja. Definitely get your soundtrack on CD or cassette. Um, Are there digital downloads as well for the entire soundtrack? Is that going to be something that you guys release? Yeah, the digital and streaming uh, come out on January 7th. Oh, great. Of uh, of, uh, 2020. 22. It'll be here before you know it. <laughs> Mine is, is going to be here before we know it. Remind me of your website again. Uh, V-O-Y-A-G-3-R.com. There you go. Go to Voyager3.com. And the, the links are in our show notes, so you know where to go. Support this band. Support New York Ninja. Support Vinegar Syndrome. Get the merch. Get the, the, the mugs. Be part of the cool group. Yeah, and also, before we end, Shout out to Brad Henderson and Curtis Spieler from Vinegar Syndrome because they were just, they couldn't have been better. I mean, Vinegar Syndrome is one of those companies. This company, the little engine that could, is creating some great quality content. And for cinephiles, um, dare I say a new audience that is just kind of interested in physical media, you know, that is going to yeah. getting hip to it again. I know, Steve, you had said that Aaron is kind of the Blu-ray guy. I've gone back into collecting Blu-rays again, much to the dismay of my wife in some degrees, because she's like, as long as it fits under the couch, we're good. Uh, right, right. Storage, you know? <laughs> but the, man, they put out beautiful stuff. That This New York Ninja box set, it's a thing of beauty. The dude designs cover is like fire. It's so cool. Yeah. I think I'll probably end up ordering the CD too, the soundtrack, because I just want to, I, I like physical media. Um, you think you'll ever put out a vinyl of it as well? Yeah. Osmos has a funny way of making things happen. You know, you will have to see. (laughs) All right. Well, Steve Green, Aaron Green, cousins, not brothers, and Greg Mastin, uh, or Master, if I should say. Master. Yes. Um, Guys, (laughs) thanks again for being on our show. Thank you for sure. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Awesome. Thanks.
And I just wanted to say goodbye and remind you that the good guys always win, even in the 80s. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a four... Is it five-star rating? (laughs) Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. We really... Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. If you listen to us on Spotify, that's great, too. And you can find us on the internet. (laughs) Don't forget to check out our website at $2LateFee.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at $2LateFeePodcast. We'll see you next time. We did it. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 